Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Dutch. You're listening to the Jiggy Jaguars. So strip off those clothes, grab that bowl of jello, and let's get busy. JiggyJaguar.com. Uh, produced with a partner of mine, a radio show back in seven. Wow, God, it was before I went to California. Seventy. Oh God, four? Yeah. Seventy-five. Man, way back. We go way back. Yeah. Anyway. Damn. He's good. <laughs> He's good, man. Okay, well, let me get this set up here, and we will be good to go. And I will just do what I do. Do what you do, okay. buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me hit this lovely record button and we'll be off and running. We are back here on the Jiggy Jig while you show speaking with, uh, who are you again, sir? Oh, uh, <laughs> my close personal long-time Hi, friend. Hi, Frank Just use my soundboard. Hi, Steve Frank <laughs> Actually on the phone, not in soundboard form. Uh, what, what, what do you think about those? When I play those, the Catello prank calls. <laughs> I'm, I'm flattered. Somebody <laughs> called me. But somebody called me and said, "Do you realize that you're on a on, on one of these soundboards with Al Pacino and this guy and that guy?" And I said, uh, "Well, I guess it's because I, uh, you know, I have I, I have little gems. I, I mean, I'm, I'm flattered. It's a wonderful thing. I love them. I, 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 worse I, in this world. I, I love them, and, uh, and there's a couple of things you've done that I just I love when you uh, make those calls. <laughs> I, I heard that one I heard recently with the Arnold was was just great. I just uh, a lady actually thought it was Arnold. You played the you played the perfect sound uh, bites. Anyway." I love it. It's great. It's so proud of the whole. If you ever get a chance, and I think I might have sent it to you, um, that that one bit I did with you, Arnold, and I think it was oh, the hunting. Yeah. The one where we're hunting. Hunting. The one where we're yeah. hunting. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I'll tell you, 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 you are a source of, of of comedic laughter in my life, my friend. I'll tell you. Well, it's great. I, I mean, I, I think that's great that I could do that. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame because I'm dead serious about everything, but what the hell, you know? <laughs> the one thing I always get out of people, and they always want to know um, where you were and what you meant when you said, flew out of my head like a squirrel in a palm tree, and you feel like you're in this land. I have more people who are like, what the hell do those mean? <laughs> when you take things out of context, you know what? What? What do they actually mean? That's a. That's just a phrase. I mean, you know, a lot of this stuff just comes out of my. It just comes out of my mind, and yeah. and, and sometimes, uh, you know, the doors open, as you like to say, and the doors are. Yeah, I always do. The doors are always flying open. I think that's. A, you know, I think everybody should have the doors. Great, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you the. Uh, you've had a heck of a background. Just all sorts of different things you've done, and just. I've been around the tree a couple of times. <laughs> What do you think has been the most rewarding out of everything you've ever done? Wow. Uh, you, you mean professionally? Yeah. Professionally, the most rewarding. God, that's tough. That's really tough. Uh, that's tough. Because, you know, whenever I was doing something 
and it was uh, and it was creative, and uh, whether I got paid for it or not, although yeah. I did a lot, but I mean, I I, I don't know, I, I was I was really I was really into a lot of stuff. In the moment. Not just that, but you know, there's a lot of the things that I was really, really into that had their bad sides too, and it was like, you know, times you didn't want to do that. So, I don't know. I mean, radio, I love radio. I mean, I, I just love radio, and I loved doing, uh, uh, radio with Wolfman and, uh, and even, uh, even alone. I just, when I was yeah. doing it alone. But with him, it was just, uh, I loved it because I loved that, I loved that theater. I loved the theater of the absurd. I loved to be able to, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really, re it's really rewarding to me, uh, that I can help, uh, uh, lift his, uh, his persona into another, you know, another area that he hadn't been, because that, that was my contribution. You know, I've been listening to a friend of mine who's been sending me all the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the XM, Wolfman Jack XM radio. Yeah, I heard some things. of those. When I first got XM, I got it for, uh, Opie and Anthony, and then I was flipping around one day, and I noticed that there was, and I'd, I'd sent you that email, was like, what the hell is this? Are you getting paid for that? And you're like, nope. <laughs> no, no, no way. But, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to them, and I'm hearing, you know, I mean, I can hear a whole bunch of things people can't hear, uh, but but I'm listening to it, and and, uh, and it's amazing. I mean, it, it's just amazing how, uh, um, how it comes up, because that stood the test of time. Well, it's timeless. It's timeless, you know? It really is timeless, just like he thought it would be. I mean, yeah. he said it would be. You know, he, he predicted that. Uh, I'm not crazy about, you know, the way they, they put everything together, but... Yeah, the, the organization, token, I think, is a little odd. But by the same token, maybe I'm too sensitive because I can tell you, if I hear Wolfman, I can tell you the difference between his 1976 voice and his 1978 voice, you know? Yeah. So when they're mixing things up, I can hear it. And it's kind of off-center to me, but uh, but I but I enjoy it not just because I hear myself, but I'm always you know I'm not sitting back and go wow so I was actually writing that I mean I hear something I hear him say something I go wow I think that was mine <laughs> <laughs> who the hell was that <laughs> it's like you know you get you get further you get older and uh, well I get you know people you get older and you get further and further away from things and then people die and then stuff and uh, you know and um, it's almost hard to believe. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the thing that I think is, is great about a lot of this is you got the, uh, the the Wolfman stuff, and then you've got your show on the Internet, and you're just, you're all over the place. You're going to be around literally forever in some form or fashion. Well, I, I, I hope so, and that's pretty much why I, I really enjoy You know, if it wasn't for Wolfman, I never would have went on the Internet, because, like I said, when I started... Um, you know, I didn't want to do it, and but I was, uh, they, they, uh, they talked me into doing it, and once I started, but what made me say, finally say yes was, hey, wait a second, this is like, this is a pioneering thing, you know, this is like a, uh, this is new, this yeah. is, this is, it's, a, it's wide open, and it's, and that's very much how Wolfman got started, you remember, I mean, you know, uh, oh, yeah. you should learn from going down, you know, going down to Mexico, and then, uh, you know, uh, finding this renegade station, and being able to shoot the, uh, all this, uh, all this broadcasting into the United States, and and that was that was, uh, was rebellious. You know, it was different. Yeah. It was uh, it was a different platform altogether. So, so I saw that's how I saw the internet, and I said, well, let me let me you know let me see what I could do. And you went from uh, you started on Amcast, and then you got syndicated, and then now you're just now you're podcasted, and 
you Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you know as well as I do. Well, you know as well as I do that that's, uh, I mean, uh, I love the fact that I don't think I could just do a podcast, you know. I mean, I yeah. love the fact that there's anybody listening live. And, you know, you see them here, you hear my podcast and stuff. It's just the show I do live. I don't cut it up. I don't do anything. Yeah. I don't even really re-listen to it for, you know, distortion or anything. As soon as, I, as soon as it's over and I click it, then I, you know, I make it into a, you know, a file and then and it goes. You yeah. Know? I go in and I take the dead air out and the little, mm-hmm. the little odd spots where, you know, it, there's, there's some, like, breathy, you know, just little stupid crap. But I I don't really ever try to listen to my show once it's been done live. I once in a while I listen I, I you know I listen to a little bit. I can't listen to the to a whole show. And once I do it, I do it. And uh, uh, but but you know, I'm, I I guess the point I was trying to make was you saying yeah you're into podcasting and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know here's the thing, uh, and I've said this on the show too. Hell, we will you know that's just a name. Uh, podcasting means you have a file and yeah, you play it on I have archival broadcasts when we were doing them. That's right. And, you know, for the first year or so, I didn't even make copies of my show. I mean, and, and, and then, and then I started, I had a hand, I said, let's see what this sounds like. I'd have a handheld tape recorder that I just leave on the edge of the, of the table when I, yeah. when I did it, you know, and we didn't uh, for a long time. But when we did, Make copies of it, and uh, that was that was a file. That was a podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, you just didn't play it on the pod. For the much. So you know, so it's just another packaging, you know, thing. So we were, you know, we 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 you as well as me, and you know, others were, were doing this crap a long time ago. Well, you know? uh, bringing up the the you using the tape recorder and just just having it on the edge of the desk and. Uh, Conversation being recorded for quality purposes. <laughs> I love that. Your humor is. Uh, I'm entertained by your humor all the time. You know they do. You know they do that all the time. Like this is great. You know what? I get the call, or I have to call a uh, insurance company, or I have to talk to one of these, you know, authoritarian places. Yeah. And they always say, they always tell you, this phone call may be uh, taped for quality purposes. You know, and I say, well, you know, I'm taping it too for quality purposes. <laughs> Might as well. I say, I got to tape it too. What am I going to do? Believe your tape? I'll be my tape. And I even tell them for this, and I may even broadcast mine. That'd be they great. Don't they don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, you know, the, uh, just broadcasting tools over the years, just, just, just from my little minute background in radio. And then you compare it to yours, and you look at all the stuff that is. Because I remember when back in uh, 2000, when I was working at KSKU, and they had uh, they showed me how to use a reel-to-reel and a cart machine and uh, all these things. I just wow. I just think about the fact that you have probably seen a thousand or more odd things, and then when you think about it. Stuff really doesn't ever change, like your your Catolo phone system that you created. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, when you come from uh, um, when you come from the analog world or the, yeah. the older world, okay, or just anything that's pre-digital. Yeah. Um, you are automatically you automatically have a uh, have an understanding of moving parts. You see. Yeah. And. When you have a, when you have an understanding of moving parts, you can uh, put things together. 
Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, saying that people, uh, you know, uh, people can't do amazing things with digital. Parent, you know, you do, but, okay. but it's all the same. But it's the same platform, and there's always a piece of software that can do something, or that there's, you know, there's there's ways of manipulating. Uh, and uh, so, yes, what I've seen is uh, are all, uh, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, it's all knobs, handles, knobs, <laughs> handles, uh, wires. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what a gears, you know. Yeah. I remember taking, I remember taking a, a real, my, my reel to reel suddenly, uh, I had a, I had a number of reel to reels, but I had one, and the, you know, the left, the, the side that picked up the tape, I hope that, I wish anyone even understanding what I'm talking about. <laughs> the side <laughs> on the right, the side on the right that, you know, that picks up the tape, yeah. suddenly it stopped, it stopped moving, and the tape just kept, know. you know, you know, so, I, so what I did was I said, well, you know what? I'm finally gonna I'm gonna see what I'm gonna fix it. I didn't know how I'm gonna fix it, but it meant opening it up, taking all the screws out, going in there. You then you discover there's belts and gears. Uh-huh. And you see how you know? And I, and I and I fixed it, and I actually fixed it, not virtually. You see, but when something is wrong with analog, uh, you can put your hands on things. And yeah. You, right. But but when something is wrong digitally, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere yeah. to go when there's a kid. You know, it's like, what do you do? Go into the software? Go into the program? Who knows how to read programs? I mean, it's easier to fix something with gears and belts when you don't know anything about it than it is to go into a program, right? And then oh, yeah. going, well, I see what's wrong with this. You know, some, someone took the you know someone took the HTML byproduct and put it on the side. That's right. The EQ needs to be adjusted. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's brilliant and it's wonderful, but I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to dismiss analog for, uh, uh, you know. And the world is funny, you know. In, in, in the music world now, they have this is funny. They, can, they come up with the, you know, the music world has changed because of digital in quality, not just yeah. right. I mean, not, not just. Not just because it, you can do it on a computer and you can make, but the quality of digital stuff, okay? But I think this is hilarious that they, that they came up, they came up with a program that would, that would insert white noise into the <laughs> digital stuff so that it sounded like it was tape. <laughs> and this to me is the ultimate go around. It was like, wait a second, uh, don't you want to make this clean? That's why you're doing it digital. You don't want the white noise. That's you don't want to deal with the white noise. The movie people that uh, they they've fallen in love with doing uh, things the old school way, making them black and white, making some of the like these Quentin Tarantino movies that uh, you know the the screen crackles and and things like old yeah, old yeah. film. And I'm like, huh? What's <laughs> an effect? It's bizarre, isn't it? How it becomes uh, what what was once. Uh, the only way to do it has now become an effect. You actually want to get that quality. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know what that means? That means to me that there was there was charm and art and 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 feeling and atmosphere in all that stuff that was considered bad. The noise of tape, right? The oh yeah. Sound of, oh yeah. <laughs> and I learned how to. I learned, when I was doing recording, and I was really into recording and music and stuff. When I, and recording music, I learned, for, uh, you know, that there were ways. Uh, to deal with, you learn how to deal with the stuff that's yeah. bad. You know, you can never get rid of the white noise. What do you do? How do you, you know? Uh, so, uh, 
it was, uh, you know, and then when you didn't have, look, when you didn't have 340 tracks, you know, it was, it was like a, it was like, at one time, it was like a, a you know, it was like four tracks. Oh my God, I forgot four tracks. You know, and then you learn how to bounce and you learn how to do as you go along and you have to be inventive and you have to be, you have to be creative at a level you don't have to be anymore. Yeah. It's a whole different platform. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just so different. And so that's when you said, you know, you saw, yeah, I saw, I saw it all. And it's amazing to have lived, to, if you think about it, I haven't really lived that long. And no, no, and, and see, that's the changes I've seen. You, yeah. you look at, um, what is it, computers, I think it was. I read a thing one time, uh, God, I think it had to be some, some wired or some technical, you know, little geeky magazine or whatever. They said that if you go in and you buy a brand new computer, you walk into, let's say, Best Buy or somewhere, you buy a brand new f- computer and you walk outside, it's automatically just outdated. The minute yeah, you purchase yeah. it, it's outdated because there's something. See, Alvin Toffler said this was. I always talk about this on the show when it comes up. But Alvin Toffler, I believe his name was, you know, said this was going to happen, and then there's that revolutionary book in the '70s called Future Shock. Yeah. Which is, which you know, which is just, and it's happened. It's happened. It's like in our lifetime, the things that we see change and progress uh, is like you know, I don't know how much more than our grandfathers. Yeah. You know, like, you know, he lived, he saw the airplane go from, you know, he saw the airplane go from here to a jet, and so that's it, you know. <laughs> well, a lot of were, uh, old VCRs, you know, it was, oh, there was beta, there was VHS, and there was VCRs, and now all of a sudden there's TiVo. <laughs> well, you know, you can see it, well, yeah, again, again, that's an analog thing. I bought my first VCR from a guy who was uh, producing these, he was a distributor, and it was che- and this was the cheapest you could get it, okay? Yeah. This is like 1979. I bought a VCR. And <laughs> the year I was right? born, that's nice. That makes me feel good. That's right. <laughs> I bought it, yeah. Right. Guy said, the guy came in, he goes, you got one of these. Because I was working in Hollywood and stuff yeah. like that, and I knew people, and I had the money. You got one of these? I go, yeah. So how much? I said, 800. He went, what a buy. 800 plus. <laughs> What a buy! And let's face it, 800 in 1979 was a lot different than 800 now, you yeah. know? And, you know, it, had, and it was a big, clunky thing, and it was great, you know? And you had to, you had to put the thing in. And in those days, when you went, if you had to go out and buy a first, uh, you know, a, 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 a videotape, a movie, of a movie? Yeah. It cost like $59! Uh-huh. Yeah, because I remember old, uh... Um, old wrestling uh, catalogs and uh, things where they're like, oh, well, you know, the latest, the latest wrestling DVD is $59.95. Or VHS was $59.95. Now yeah. you can get them at Walmart for 10 bucks on DVD. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. That's what it is. That's what I, you know, that alone, what I've seen, you know, uh, and, and a lot of people, not just me, I mean, a lot of people yeah. from, my, from my generation have seen, so... So yeah, but in and out of radio stations, you bet, you bet. Well, you look at uh, you look at yeah. records uh, to MP3. You sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, I get it. There's almost a, there's no such thing as records, and yeah. and then right now, I mean, even uh, you know, look what's happening with the you know, and, with and the, they still give out gold records. That's what I think is funny. 
Yeah, no. Did they, did they really give that, or did they just call it gold records? Yeah, and, and there's, 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 there, I've seen uh, dudes on MTV with like rap yeah, guys with big gold records, and I'm like, do they even know what that is? Mm. Do they? <laughs> considering now, considering now how few records or CDs are even sold, but per se, uh, consider. I mean, have they reduced it? Like, uh, do you get like you get a gold record for fifty thousand now? <laughs> it used to be a million, right? Five hundred thousand for gold, I think. And I just read with, I don't know, J-Lo. J-Lo's album? Yes, I saw that today on the Drudge Report. What a bomb, huh? <laughs> and you know what? That's what I was talking about on the show the, well, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That's just, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's over, man. It's the digital platform has just, who would have thunk? Who would have thunk that it would rip through every piece of commercial... Well, uh, there was you know, uh, a good example of this and how, and how backwards in a way that the uh, McPherson radio station is. I uh <laughs> any chance I get a any time I get a chance to insult those people I will. The uh <laughs> I I was when I was working at KSKU I had to uh they had me bring down a commercial for a local local band was gonna be playing and I they they were too lazy to either email it or whatever, so they had me drive all the way thirty miles from Hutchinson down here. And I walk in there, and they're in the process of moving things around, and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm standing there, and I go, what are you guys doing? And they go, oh, our last reel-to-reel machine broke today, and we're having to switch to computers. Now, keep in mind, this is the year 2000. And I said, what do you mean your last reel-to-reel broke? And they go, yeah, our last reel-to-reel machine broke, and the guy that used to fix them passed away uh, two months ago. So (laughs) we're having to switch to computers, and... We don't really know how to use computers with a radio station, and I'm and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Backwards. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and they just they were probably still making whiskey in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> they had no clue what to do, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like this wow. this is just this is just a total shocker, and I'm I'm just thinking, well, I guess this. A sign of the, it's either a sign of the times or it's a sign of the times that they're really, really backwards. But then again, you know, I mean, uh, as I'm always saying too, is, I mean, let's look at the, uh, let's look at the good side of this. We can, uh, and I do, and I try to look at the good yeah. side of it, uh, and, and that is the fact that every Thursday night from my own house, uh, I could plug into this stupid little machine and uh, click, make a couple of clicks, and uh, anybody in the world. They can hear me. Yeah. That, 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 that's just, you know, that's that's demonic. That's like, that's magic. That's black magic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and uh, another example of uh, people that are behind the times. There was one when, uh, like I said, when I was working at KSKU, I asked the owner one time, I said, hey, um, you have a website. I said, every radio station town has a website. I said, you know, we, we're located right next door to a web place, computer place, you know, just go over there and see if you can cut him a deal, you know, on advertising, whatever. There, and the owner looks at me and the program director, and he says, "Website, the internet is a fad. It will be, a, it will go away yeah. in two years. Yeah, this is in the year yeah. 2000, and they still don't have a website, by the way. And I just find it strange how how people can be so locked in and so old school that they just can't convert to new technology. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, that's I, I don't. Have you ever had that experience with with anybody when you were when you were working in radio or doing anything where you know something new came along and they're like, oh well, no, 
not going to happen. Well, sure. I mean, I remember, yeah, I remember people saying, like, come on here, four guys with long hair playing guitars. Get out of here. <laughs> next you don't know who they are next month. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That guy, you know. Uh, how about the guy at Decca Records who, uh, you know, who auditioned the Beatles and then, uh, and you know, and told the manager, yeah, look, uh, this uh, three guitars and the drum, this this is out. Nobody does. Nobody's gonna do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that guy? You know, how much Johnny Walker Red is he consumed? You know, <laughs> how long did it take him to completely blow his liver out? You know. But I mean, it, there's always, you know, there's always people yeah. just reticent to change. Change is change is a very frightening thing. You know? I just, I just don't get these, uh, these things. It's just an odd, an odd deal. They, the whole, the whole idea of change, I guess, is, I guess, why people are uncomfortable is because they have the sense, they have a sense that they're going to lose something, you know. And when I look at it, and like I try to look at the well, there's going to be a lot of bad things, but let's look at the good side of it, and then let's see how we can merge, merge these things, you know. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I am, I'm reticent. I'm reticent to use certain software, to use certain things. That's why I'm anti-Skype and stuff, you know? It's like, yeah. hey, wait a second. I could figure out, that's what I mean about combining analog and digital, and that's how I do it with the phone guy, you know? I'll figure out how to do this. There's got to be a way to do this. And the funny thing is I go to Radio Shack, and I'm trying to tell the guy what I need, and he's like, what I want to do, and he went, why don't you just get software? What are you, what are you talking about? What are you trying to do? What, what am I trying to do? I just, it's very simple. I mean, you know, this is Radio Shack. You guys used to be like the kings of, you know, here's what you do. Yeah. Now they don't know nothing. They just tell you even at Radio Shack. They say, hey, get software, or get this, or do this, or do that. It's like, don't do it that way, do it this way. And, uh, they're wrong. He goes, that will work. Well, I like I the love way, that. I like the way that you, uh, sort of experimented and figured out, figured out how to do, uh, I think it was the January Catola Monthly where you had towards the end of the show you had people using their MSN instant messenger and sending you uh, voice messages. Hey, I didn't figure that out. They did. Ah, okay. They started, yeah, they, they said, they just started doing it. And I went, look, that's great. You see, that? isn't that great? Look at that vote. That's great. Uh, so I got pal, I didn't know about that uh, thing, but they started doing it. And uh, but, uh, but that's a software thing, see. But, but, but like I said, uh, I mean, I wouldn't have... Uh, you know, have the, the fact that I have been able to get guests on my show by the phone it has really opened up the program to, you know, to another dimension. And uh, and it's good, and it's only possible because I finally, you know, I gave up on the digital guys. Because they kept saying, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way. And then I said, no, wait a second, there's just got to be a way to do this, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and just figure it out. But if I didn't know, I wouldn't have been able to figure it out if I didn't have a, you know, uh, I didn't have a background in, in analog, and I hadn't been, you know, an old analog dog. Yeah. Well, and then you were mentioning something about you think it's uh, it's crazy and black magic that you're able to hit a few clicks and everybody can hear you. Imagine, you know, the whole syndication of, you know, you, you put your web stream up and the people at Wild Bunch in Europe are picking it up and bouncing it to... Oh, yeah, that place where you can be on in Wild Bunch, you can be on in Canada through SRN, and you can be on... Uh, audio copy, and you have all these outlets. It's nuts. It's nuts, but it's great. I mean, it, it is great. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm not. You know, I I uh, I keep my feet on the ground, though. I, and as yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm oh, not yeah. really crazy about how. I'm not crazy about how uh, how particular people get about the, the the stuff because I really believe you just gotta. You know, there's gotta you gotta keep the live element. I believe. Yeah. 
Because that's the key to personality, that's the key to what happens, that's the key to spontaneity, it's the key to lies element. If you're just going to digitalize, tape it, and move things around, that's, 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 and that's what I don't like about the Wolfman Jack thing. Uh, the fact that they've made it so, uh, uh they, you know, they, they, they've worked so much. It's so encapsulized into itself that... Yeah, yeah, that it's like, uh, that there's a lot of, lot of whatever he was, uh, missing. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's like it's like you know, and, and you know, this is nothing new in terms of digital. I mean, this is this is the way life works. For instance, if you you know, uh, you know, the brilliance, the brilliance of uh, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, uh, it was never witnessed in them in any of their movies because the because the movies movies had a had a format and a and a different platform and you know they had to go through a different process. So in order to really you know uh, appreciate. Uh, the greatness you had to see them live, or you had, you know, see them do, and there's very little that you can see live, but you had to watch it live. You had to see them do what they did, you know. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, an awful lot of stuff. And uh, but, but with the digital thing, or with Wolfman too. So it's when he was very different when he did a syndicated program, and even when, and it was put together. But that still was more, you know, uh, uh, more exciting than than a tightly you know, uh, tiny yeah, podcast, yeah. the things they click and they uh, did a live show. When you did, when you listen to them live, it was a totally different thing. You you can you can hear it. It's, so you know, uh, well, you look you at uh, you look at some of these these broadcast outlets with all the the different problems and some of the some of the problems are like like AM FM. Is is AM even? As far as like local AM, at least here in Kansas, it's Rush Limbaugh and that's it. What happened? Oh, there's to AM? a lot of syndication. Yeah, there's a lot of syndication because nobody. Well, you know, these stations aren't paying people, and there aren't a lot of. First of all, there aren't a lot of people to do it, yeah. and then they're not, and they're not paying enough for people to uh, uh, to be able to do that. It's not worth it. It's not worth their while because you know if you can pick up Rush Limbaugh and it costs nothing, you can pick up all these guys, it costs nothing. I mean, right? Doesn't that beat having having to pay somebody to come in and have to pay his insurance and have to pay his vacations? You know, so um, that's why the you know the national thing has become so. Uh, and then you look at uh, FM. I don't know really what the hell is going on with FM between you. I don't either. I have no idea. I, mean, I go. You, I mean, I sit there and I go through and I go, "What is any of this stuff?" Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what any of this stuff. You is. have I don't know a couple different formats. You have the Jack FM or Bob FM or. Jill or whoever, yeah, which yeah. is supposed to combat the iPods, but right. they don't because of the fact that it's not a free form format. It's a we're going to tell you how to be free form. I know we did. <laughs> we talked we talked about that on, on, on Chronicles. It was just hilarious to think that it's, you know they were they were they were formatting the non-format. Yeah, <laughs> you've got the Jack FM format, and then you've got this thing that CBS Radio used to be Infinity Broadcasting is doing called a free FM. Well, well the free talk FM, is that free talk FM? Yeah. Well, well you know, free talk FM we invented. Us, us people on the, inter- on the internet. Yeah. We invented that and they took it and made it commercial. With, but that's what we did. Because they've got, uh, that's exactly what we still do. They've got, uh, for instance, uh, they have Adam Carolla in some of the, some parts of the nation and they have Opie and Anthony in some parts of the nation for their morning show. Mm-hmm. And then they have their their afternoons got all sorts of different local people or mixed things, and they have Tom Likas in the evening, 
and then they have some other different people in the in the, the later evening, and then they have the this George Nori freaking Art Bell crap at night. Oh God! <laughs> 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 the thing I don't get is like you look at some of these, and I was I was when I was talking to uh, uh, Coleman, I guess we'll call him. Um, and when I was talking to him about Tom Likas, this guy has got one of the simplest shows. And if you ever get a chance to check out... Tom's been around a long time. I remember yeah. way, way back yeah. in KFC and in those days, right? Yeah. yeah he, he's been around long. He's, he's an L.A. guy. One by he's, back he, he's, got, he's got one format, and that is he throws up a topic, and then he gets people on the phone, and they argue back and forth. He right. plugs his phone number, he goes to a couple breaks, and he's done. And I'm like, this is the simplest thing in the world. And it's huge. Yeah, but you know what? But <laughs> I know that. But and I and I guess I guess it. I don't know. I don't understand. But I do understand the nature of guys like George Norrie. Now George Norrie is a competent oh, broadcaster. Oh, this guy. <laughs> he look. He's a competent broadcaster. Yeah. And he uh, and and he can do. He can take phone calls and he can talk like that. But he's just. He's lifeless. I mean, he's yeah. like. I mean, you know, he's like. You think he's a Disney animatronic? I mean, he's he's just there and. Uh, he, uh, and and I I just don't understand Everybody, how people could call up and say things like oh, I love you and your show and I'm going what is it or up I don't get it I'm not I'm not I'm not invigorated I'm not if I have it on <laughs> it's because I need noise in the background you know? I need talking I mean what what is it with you and I Bell I can't understand I cannot understand the uh, um, the uh, the the infatuation with this I, guy I talk to people all the time about Art Bell and George Norrie and this coast to coast now Art Bell and George Norrie were with if you you know if you uh, now then they're, they're not uh, they're not uh, ego filled enough to uh, to not know <laughs> their roots you know their roots are and I worked with the guy who started that yeah. whole deal with the Long John Neville yeah uh, and he uh, they know they know their roots but Neville now, I mean, I worked with Neville. Neville was, he was a personality. He had a flair. He had a certain kind of voice. These guys are like, I'm asleep already, you know. I mean, and they, they're not, I don't understand it. I don't understand. They attract numbers and how they do it. I, I, like I said, I talked to a bunch of different people, and I'm like, you know, what is the attraction to this? And they're like, Oh, some of the people that just call up are crazy. And I'm like, so you're listening to it because they're putting not job black people on at night. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's okay because Neville used to have that. That was the deal, okay? Except he was something. He wasn't just, you know, an usher in yeah. this theater of crazy people. He was, you know, he, he dealt with it, and he had a flair, he had a different kind of voice. I mean, there was something going on with him, because he had a past that wasn't just news, info, you know, news and weather. I mean, who were they? Where did Art Bell, where did these guys come from? They came from, uh, what, spinning, did they spin records? Did they play things? What did they do? Going back in the rest of them, not at all. Yeah, I mean, remember, it was, you know, if you, if you ever want to read, and if you can get a hold of it, it's a great book, it's called The, uh, the Magnificent Charlatan. And it's the story of Long John Neville. And you see a guy who comes into broadcasting from a world of, of a life, a life where he did things. There were adventures. There were different things he did. These guys are just radio guys. They're just radio guys. That's all they are. And you know, it's just all they are. Then you look at these guys who are either former 
top 40 DJs that are now all of a sudden political oh, people. Radio guys. Or the shock jocks who are now political people. Like Man Cow. Right. Man Cow Mahler out of Chicago. This guy used to be <laughs> the, <laughs> biggest, <laughs> the biggest. He was like Howard Stern. I don't know. I never heard him, but. Oh, yeah. And he was doing. He did a thing one time when he was in San Francisco where he. Uh, he stopped traffic on the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever so he could get a haircut, like Bill Clinton did one time or something. Mm-hmm. So that was his big stunt. Well, now he's not a shock jock anymore. He's Mr. Political Guy. And then you got Glenn Beck, who used to spin records. And then all of a sudden, he's an outraged, he's a conservative, he's ready to go. And I'm like, what happened here? <laughs> So realistically, yeah. Rush Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh was a freaking broadcaster for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah, and, um, and he now he's got trouble on loans and jobs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, the numbers tell the truth. I mean, the numbers just tell you, though, uh, them people, that's where people go. That's what they do. I so. just, you know, you look at that, then you look at, uh, the situation with some of the music radio stations are all people that are voice tracked from other stations. And they just will, that like, uh, they've got a local station here uh, called The Zoo, and it is, the only live portion is their morning show, and the rest of the time it's this voice track radio station out of Oklahoma. And what they do is they come on, and I thought it was odd, the first time I started listening to the station, where the guy in the afternoon, he, he back-sold and he front-sold, the, the music, and he gave you the time and everything, but he never, ever read a station ID. He never did any, nothing right. ever was talked about. He never did any, like, local, uh, oh, you know, the Easter egg hunt Saturday, you know. He never did that, but yet you always heard him do liners, but the way that it was set up, it didn't sound like he was doing them, you know, right then. And I was started to do some research, and I found out the voice track from some other place. Mm. And I'm like, oh, we're not even paying DJs now. We're getting voice no, tracks. It's right. This, it's, this, I, I don't know who does anything anymore. <laughs> uh, and, and and I don't think they care uh, who does what have you, as long as you, know, you get some numbers or uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, ultimately, let's face it. If uh, you could, uh, you could replace uh, Art Bell. You could replace Art Bell. Yeah. No problem. No problem. All you all they have to do is they get used to you. Uh, get a couple of nights. I, I, I don't know if that's ever possible. <laughs> no, it is. No, it is. You know what? No, it is because you know the people who hate you know, because they have nowhere else to go. You got to remember, aren't they like off to the This coast to coast, these coast, this this program comes on, right? Well, you know what you do? Just start start looking around the dial. There's nothing else on. There's nothing else on. Oh yeah, just like um, this uh, that one website that I sent you that's got all the streaming pages. I went right. I went there one day about noon, and all there is is Rush Limbaugh. Mm-hmm. Rush Limbaugh or O'Reilly. That's it. And you look at night, it's just all down. That's it. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, somewhere down the line, someone uh, is going to have to start uh, having some faith again in, uh, in, in human, you know, in personality. Yeah. Uh, whether it's talk or playing music or what have you, personality, and uh, and and uh, you know maybe radio will find its way uh, back into the lexicon well, of. Uh, there's a few. Um, Mancow never 
he kind of did this for a little bit, but then he stopped. There's a guy who used to work in Wichita, Kansas, named Kid Chris, and he now works in Philadelphia on one of these free FM things. And he, his whole format used to be he'd go from music to doing in-studio stuff to doing music again, and it wasn't a talk radio show, but it wasn't a music show. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was the coolest format in the world, is that, you know, you couldn't pigeonhole. But at the same time, can that format with all the way people think anymore? Like Wolfman. Wolfman couldn't work on regular radio. There'd be some stupid program director that would go, oh, well, yeah, that wouldn't work. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, uh, it's a, it's a whole different, it's true, it's a whole different world. It's a, well, you know, a lot of things wouldn't be able to, ha- wouldn't happen today. It's just not the time or place for the kinds of things that happened uh, uh, yesterday. I, but what kind of time and place is it? I don't know. You know? Yeah. And that's why, hey, that's why you got uh, a million podcasts and you got independent music with eight billion different people on it. You know, it's like, you know. And then you got our friends yeah. over at Satellite. <laughs> well, you know, what, what, a mess that has, what a mess that has become. Yeah, well, I don't know if it ever was, was anything but a mess. I mean, it always was a mess. Because it was it was serious, and they had the uh, they they were the place you went for talk and sports, and then XM was the place you went for music. Well, then XM and Sirius was the place you go for the shock jocks, and now they're getting together to form one thing. And I'm like, what? Well, you know, that's the death now, the uh, the merging. Uh, you know, there'll always be satellite radio, but it's probably not going to be, you know, a uh, a big, uh, you know, a, a profitable corporate type thing. Because at one time everybody was comparing that to like the it was going to be the HBO Showtime of radio. Right, except they forgot that uh, they forgot that they were. Uh, well, what did they forget? Well, they forgot that you know, uh, radio itself is still attracting, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, people. For, yeah. for various uh, reasons, and that, and also, you know, you go out, you go out, you buy a radio, you can buy a transistor radio now for five dollars, you know. Yeah. I mean, what can you buy, you know? And then you got a world of stuff you could just look through there. All you do is listen to commercials, you turn them off. But and then you, you got this go, HD you, crap. You got to go get yourself. I understand this. You, I, I've turned on a few uh, clear channel radio stations, and they're like, oh, we've got thousands of radio stations that are hidden. All you gotta do is go out and get this HD radio thing, and I think it was my mom checked into it, and she's like, "Well, I'm gonna go get that in my truck," and she went to check out it. Went to one of these electronic places. She's like, "How much is an HD radio?" And they're like, "Well, five hundred bucks to get it installed," and then um, it's like fifteen, twenty bucks a month uh, for the service. And by the time it was all over with, it's like, "Why am I paying that? Mm-hmm. Why am I gonna give you guys seven hundred bucks for high definition radio?" Well, what the hell is high definition radio? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, is it? Is it? I think it's. I, I. I originally thought it would be a good idea for high definition radio was uh, where uh, you know if you use big words, you can tell everybody what they mean. Because <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Because like television to a certain extent, you know, it's more detailed, it's more distinct. But radio is a audio medium. Here's what I want to know. How much better? Here's what I want to know. Here's really what I want to know. How much better can anything get? If you really think about well, it. Well, that's true. How much better? High-definition team friend of mine uh, was at tonight, house, his house tonight. 
He said, hey, come look at this. And he's got a, you know, almost a wall-to-wall screen. Yeah. And it's got uh, it's this high definition, so he could watch uh, everybody, you know, and see all their pimple marks and everything you could see. And uh, and I'm like, and you know what? He puts on sports. You know what it looks like, the sports? It looks like a video game. Yeah. You know? Uh, so, uh, so everything is, so in other words, trying just, to make things I, too real it becomes I, surreal. I can't, I can't believe it. It's, it's just crazy. And then you look at, uh, this, uh, this internet stuff. You know, people are like, oh, well, internet sucks. Internet radio sucks. Uh-huh. You know, all these different people, uh, I read a thing one time about, uh, Opie and Anthony, uh, was asked, why don't they go to, uh, why didn't they go to internet radio? Why didn't they, why did they go to satellite? And they were like, well, the only people who are on internet radio are people who couldn't make it in, mainstream radio or no talent mm-hmm. and I'm like okay um, there's a lot of talented people on the internet I think <laughs> but yeah but you know what yeah the truth <laughs> is the truth is why didn't they go to internet why don't they just say this because they, you know they, I mean they're so wrong that's like that's like saying the only people who make records are the people who are talented right yeah. that's like saying the only people who are in movies are the actors that are talented. That's baloney. There's tons of people out there doing tons of things, okay, who don't get the shot to do the kind of things. Here's, what Opie, here's why Opie and Anthony uh, don't even say, why didn't they just say the truth? Well, go to internet radio. You don't get paid there. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I can't make a living there. You yeah. don't get paid. I'm, because think about, it, think about this. If they had a following, wouldn't their following go anywhere? Pretty much. Pretty much. That that's the one thing that uh old uh as Michael Savage likes to call him, coward sperm has figured <laughs> out with uh satellite is that everybody was like, Oh, Howard's going to Sirius, let's spot throw, let's go, let's go, let's go and what is it? Not even half of his audience yeah. was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. You get I think it's all that's, you know, see, that's the that's that's but that's the uh uh the the charm of the you know the main charm of the internet. Let's face it. If all this stuff had started with the internet and it all cost money, <laughs> nobody would be doing it now. Well, see, that's what I I was thinking. It might free. be the internet effect where oh free. you know it's free, but if you're going to charge me a penny, I'm out of here, pal. Yeah. Hey, you know, all you got to do is think about how many. You know, there's tons of people who were like big hits on television. Television was free, right? Yeah. And they were on. They were, okay. Then suddenly they started making movies. Well, in order to go see, you know, but they go, why do I got to go see him? I see his show on TV. Why do I got to pay to see him? Exactly. George Clooney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, tons of people who, uh, no, well, well, I mean, even, even back in the old days, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, it's, I don't know. You know free just, is always going to be, uh, free is always going to be better, and the individual is always <laughs> going to be better. Free is always going to be better. Free is always better, yeah. There it's you better. go. And then you look at this podcasting thing. Now, I have a couple different issues with it. One being that there's these people in, the, in, in podcasting that are like, oh, you know, um, this is, the, if, if you're, you're clipping or you're, you're doing this or you don't sound professional enough for all these things. And then you listen to their show and it's a couple people sitting in the, their room throwing F-bombs around. Right, right. <laughs> Throwing it for <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, well, well, what is this? This is not anything. This is crap. And then you look, 
listen to some of these some of these shows that are really good podcasts, but you know they're never going to have a, a chance to ever do anything other than be a podcast. Mm-hmm. And then you see all these guys running around that are like, "Well, I got to make money with my podcast. I'm going to insert ads into my podcast. I'm going to do ads for. I'm going to do." I'm gonna voice ads for this or for that, and it's well, like, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody making any kind of money yeah. doing any of it. It's just you know. But I, I don't. But you know, <laughs> so what? Especially that yeah. too. What? I mean, <laughs> so what? Um, you know, when it when it, when all is said and done, who's ever still sitting there doing it is doing it. Uh, you know, um, is is doing it. It's probably doing it for uh, for nothing. And, uh, and and loving uh, doing it, and and you're still gonna, you know, I mean, you know, guys like you and me prove that you can find, uh, you know, you, you can find yourself an audience somewhere. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Uh, couple more questions before I let you go. Mm-hmm. I have just a ton of. I've, I've listened to your show for for years now, and I I would love to have you explain some of the things that. You that you make reference to on the show. Cause oh, God, yeah. That's, this is why you're supposed to have a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll try to annotate some of this. Okay, stuff. go ahead. What do you, before, uh, well, but, but before you do that, how did you come up with when you said something about how you didn't really want to get into doing broadcasting on the Internet and the MCAT guys, you know, talked you into it and everything. Mm-hmm. What was the the format when, when you decided, or did you just go... I don't have a format. I'm just going to open the mic and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, first they said, you know, they originally said to me, they said, do a music show because you were, you know, you have a background in music and radio and stuff, so do a music show. And uh, so I uh, I just uh, I started talking about things and, uh, I, you know, I, I like I said, I, I would just I'd find a couple of uh, 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 pieces of information uh, here and there. I'd talk, and I knew what the audience was. You know, in the beginning, the audience were a lot of independent people, independent artists. And so I figured, like, well, you know, I'm going to talk to my audience. So I started talking about those issues and the things that, you know, and online music distributors and online this and online. So, you know, and, uh, that's, and, and, and that's what I did. And then it started to change. Well, it really never really did change. <laughs> it's really much, you know, I mean, everything comes back to, uh, you know, to how we live our lives with the digital platform. Yeah. That's it. You know, well, and, and I've, app- I've noticed that your format, you've just kind of merged things over the years. Like, you know, you never used to do phone calls. Now you do phone calls a lot. Right. I do phone calls a lot because there are a lot of, there are a lot of people out there who don't get a chance to reach, you know, uh, reach uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, the, the audience, the kind of audience, the alternative audience. And and it does, and it attracts people. People want to be on. Yeah. People want to be on the show. They want to because there's a whole nother. They know there's a whole nother level of listeners out there who should know about what's going on. Have, and, and it always fits. You know me. I mean, I always I always make it fit into the uh, uh, into the uh, the context of uh, of our uh, of the program. The news, information, conversation, insubordination, and you get to hear these people the way they. And this is what they love. They love it. So you get to sit, you get to hear them the way you'd never hear them on on talk radio. Yeah, yeah, because you hard you hardly ever interrupt people. Because you listen to like guys like Jim Rome, they're like you know 
somebody makes a point, and then it was like, okay, you're listening to the Jim Rome Show. I'm Jim Rome. Our phone number is blah, 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 blah. We're talking. You don't have to get into that. And you I'm have like, a conversation, and you, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to do all that. <laughs> it's like, and you get you know, to if, you, if this guy would shut up long enough, I could hear the guy talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they got, you know, they're doing, they, they got restrictions. We don't have restrictions. So you can get to hear uh, people, and, and, you know, and the kind of, most of the people on my show just aren't, you know, aren't on any of the programs. So, and a lot of them come from the content industry, and a lot of them come from, and, and come on my show, because they know, you know, they know that I've done what I've done, and they say, like, well, you know, it's good to talk to him. He's got a following. We know who he is, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. What else? And, uh, what else the, uh, uh, well, okay, these, these, these references. Okay, first of all, where did you get the Hallelujah Trail concept? Is that from the movie? You know, it's funny because I don't, you know, it's really funny because I don't remember where I got it, but, you know, uh, someone sent me a little, someone sent me a little clip and I played it once in a while of Wolfman Jack saying, this is Wolfman Jack going down the Hallelujah Trail. And I go, like, Jesus, I wrote that to him years ago. I, I, what was it then? What was the trail then? You know, I don't know. It, you know, this is the, you know, uh, uh, and then there's a movie, right, with Burt Lancaster, yeah. which I, I you know, um, and to me, so I just, you know, adapted it. Uh, being a uh, neo-postmodernist, I just adapted it to mean that uh, this is the road we're going down, uh, you know, as, as, as people having to adapt the road we're going down to having to adapt to this new world because, you know, the revolution is the, the digital revolution, man. It's touched everything, everything we do. Yeah. So I guess that's where that came from. So, it's, you know, it's one of those personifications. It gives you an idea. It, there's a trail. There's a road. We're walking down it. It's a picture. You know, me, I'm into pictures, mental images and things. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the beverages, I'm, I'm assuming, when you do that at the beginning of the show, it's obviously just the old radio trick of describe everything that's going on in the room. I, I guess it does. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does set the stage. You're absolutely right. And it makes it very personal because it's like, look, I'm doing what you're doing. You know, we're just sitting here having a drink. We're talking. You have your drink. I'll have my drink. We'll talk, yeah. you know. And um, and, it, and it just comes up. It just came up. Re- I mean, I, that's not my phrase, replenish your precious bodily fluids yeah. from the very famous movie. Uh, and uh, uh, so, you know, it's just something that comes up. Uh, and so so that was the beverage. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Everything that's going on. Yeah. And then um, at, the end of the, at the end of the broadcast, is it uh, Mrs. Erstwhile? Who is that? Yeah, Mrs. Erstwhile, wherever you are. Well, you know, someday people will understand that. That, that is a very in-joke. <laughs> it's a very in-joke, and it comes from, uh, it comes from a book uh, I wrote. Which is uh, which is uh, hopefully soon to be a major motion picture, which is now ah, a play. Okay. Yeah, and it comes from the like, book. What the hell? Because I, 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 the minute it, you, I heard that you said that the first time, I'm like, okay, I gotta go figure this out. Well, you know, I remember. I, you don't remember. Like, Motherfucker. No, no. <laughs> well, here's. But let me tell you something. You don't remember this. I mean, I used Mrs. Ernstwhile based on based on this thing in the book. But you know, um, Jimmy Durante used to end his show. By saying good night, Mrs. Calabash. Where oh. Okay. And it's, a, it's kind of a play on that too. Good night, Mrs. Calabash. Wherever you are, and um, I don't remember exactly. You know, you could find out who Mrs. Calabash was, or then you know. And, but, but you know, that that was it. So this, that's that. It's that. It's that thing again. I'm sticking another one of those classical pieces in there. You know. <laughs> so and then I'm, I'm assuming well. that I have nothing more to say. Is just. You in 
Well, that just happened. I never, you know, I never planned, like I said, I never rehearsed anything, but I was always prepared if for some reason or another, I said that's the last thing I have said since I started this program. I mean, I have <laughs> never said, whenever I said that, the program was over from the first one I did uh, to the last, to yeah. which the last, most recent. It just seemed to, <laughs> it just seemed to be the thing to say when it was, when it was over. Because all I did was talk and talk and then, so I just said it and, and said that's it. Whenever I say that, there's no, that was the rule. That was it. That's the last thing you and said. And you're, you're probably not gonna tell me where, where the flying music from Katoa Monthly comes from. <laughs> no, I'm not. No. <laughs> No, no, that's why. No, the the flying no. music. You're just gonna have to find out yourself. <laughs> did you, did you, you download that from somewhere? Or did you make that? I made a loop out of it. It's actually not as long as it is. It's oh, uh, yeah. You, you okay. can almost hear when it picks, picks up. Bit thing. You can hear where it picks up again. You know, uh, but it's uh, it's uh, you know, see, uh, you, you can find it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, you you've got some some real interesting. Uh, Little bits and everything. I knew the other day I was watching, uh, well, I wasn't watching, I was being forced to watch it because there was little ones in the house, but Dora the Explorer, and they had to write, or not Dora, but, uh, Blue's Clues, and they were writing it down in their handy dandy notebook, and I'm like, is that where Capello got it from? Well, uh, it, it, no, it isn't, it isn't. No, it isn't where I got it from, but you're right to make those, you, you know, you, you know, you start looking at every, you start looking at everything, and you see that everything is, everybody does the same stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, you really do. You, you start reading classics and you start realizing everybody has the same stuff. And everybody takes from this one and that one. And, and you know, you're, uh, there's, there's nothing new. There's, there's nothing new going on. And everybody just takes what they know and what they understand. And, they, and it's filtered through your own personality. And it comes out whatever it is you do, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, is there, you know, is there one thing Johnny Carson ever did that wasn't taken from a, a Jonathan Winters uh, yeah. routine? You know, I mean, it's, it's everything is everything is uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, lifted. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say still the lifted. I want I wanted to say like uh, you know borrowed. No, the tribute to. You know, it's tribute to. But um, um, is um, yeah. We well, anyway, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But, but uh, so, all, so all that stuff is just stuff. And like I said, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want, I don't have a format, but I do keep the things that you know, make people ident constantly identify with the program and, uh, and with me. And it makes them feel like uh, the most important thing to do is to make them feel like it's just them. Yeah. It's not a, you know, listen up to you know, it's just you talking to one person. And that's it. So, um, not, not, not to get off a, a tangent or anything, but, uh, how, how long do you plan on doing this? You just gonna do it forever, or are you gonna? You know, I I don't even broadcasting until you're sick of it, or I don't even <laughs> think about <laughs> it. I gotta tell you, there are nights. I'll tell you this much, though. There are nights when, for one reason or another, because of my personal life or because anything that's going on, there are nights, Thursday nights, when the last thing I want to do is sit down there. But I know. That when I sit down there and I turn on that mic and then I hear the theme or what's going on, I'm suddenly in a place where I belong. And yeah. I like being there. And I like being there. And, and everything else just seems to just float away. So, you know, maybe that's, is that therapy? Is that what it is? I don't know. You know, is it self-actualization? I don't know. But it's, it's certainly a place, one place of, of the many places we all can go where there's one place where I belong. So, yeah. you know, when I feel like I don't belong there anymore, uh, I'll go away. 
Or I'll die and I won't be able to do it. Well, you know? there you go. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's uh, I've I've learned a lot from the Mike interview, and I've learned a lot from this, and uh, great conversation as we always have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I'm happy that anybody can learn anything from me because I, <laughs> sure, I, I'm flying by the seat of my pants, and that's all I've ever been doing. And if you can pick up something from that, God bless you. There you go. Well, Frank, uh, I appreciate it. Catola Chronicle there's, of course, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, right? That's right. Okay, because I've, I've been dealing with lots of time zones today. Today's <laughs> interview day, so I'm like, well, Pacific, Eastern, we're all over the damn map. But, uh, well, you know, hey, listen, we always are. Think about it. Think about it. I mean, I can't, I mean, Catola Chronicles is always on, but it's yeah. only on live once a week. But we're on all over the place. Jeez, I mean, every day I could go somewhere and listen to it. But who wants it? <laughs> At least, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I listen to it over and over again. Once in a while, it's fun to go to one of those stations running it and hear something old. Yeah, I, I don't remember anything where it is or what what have you. But you know. But anyway, yeah, come come to the live show. It's uh, it's fun. Listen to it on tape. Uh, tape. Listen to me. You know, tell you Frank, and listen to the Jiggy Jaguar show because there's only there one Jiggy Jaguar. Oh yeah. Thank you for that. Well, my friend, uh, we'll talk off the air more, and uh, sure. I will email you and let you know where it's going to air and everything, so you can grab it. Thanks. You have fun. Okay. I appreciate you doing this, and uh, we'll have see to you tomorrow night. Again. Definitely. You going to okay, do your uh, green room stuff tomorrow? Yeah, we'll be in the green room, and then we got Bill Crawford on tomorrow night. It's going to be great, man. Texas Death Row. Should be fun. We're not just going to... Yeah, it's going to be great. It's a great book, and we're going to find out all the crap that people eat before they have the, all the last meals. That's have. nice. That's great, great. family that's conversation. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow night, Frank. Have a good one, sir. Good night. Talk to you about good night. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Dutch. You're listening to the Jiggy Jaguars, so strip up those clothes, grab that bowl of jello, and let's get busy. JiggyJaguar.com Hey, this is Dutch. You're listening to the Jiggy Jaguars, so strip up those clothes, grab that bowl of jello, and let's get busy. JiggyJaguar.com We are back here on the Jiggy Jaguar show, speaking with Joseph Lanza. Uh, the new book is out, Phallic Frenzy, Ken Ruffle and his films. Um... Give us some information, Joe, on uh, your background, and then we'll get into the book. All right. Well, my background, I've written a lot about film and popular culture. Yeah. My very first book was about the director, Nicholas Rogue, yeah. who's considered the other uh, bad boy of British cinema, <laughs> a person who refuses to tell stories in a conventional manner and refuses to let prissy standards of good taste interfere with his muse. So I, and I wrote that book, oh gosh, back in 89. So yeah. finally it took me a while, but uh, the other shoe finally dropped. So this is a book about Ken Russell, uh, his soul brother. Well, I'll tell you, Ken Russell, he, uh, good Lord, uh, what is it, 60s, 70s, 80s, he was, he was all over the map. He was, I mean, he was as well known as Orson Welles. Yeah. Is Still today, but somehow between the late '80s and throughout the '90s, I don't know what happened. But uh, you know, uh, public memory gets fickle, 
and I guess the marketing gets fickle, but um, I think Ken Russell deserves his place in that pantheon of you know, great, great directors with a, a very personal vision. I mean, there's nothing like a Ken Russell movie. We always hear about people with Ken Russell influences, but maybe superficial dabbling here and there, but there really is nothing like a movie that he puts together. If he did a version of Gone with the Wind, you can imagine how radically different it would be <laughs> than that thing that uh, Victor Fleming put out years ago. <laughs> well, uh, the, uh, for, the, for, the, for the younger audience and the people who are unfamiliar with uh, Ken Russell, can you give us a little information on, um, on his background and how you came to write the book? And he started out as a photographer. Yeah, quick cuts and, and all that. Yeah, quick cuts and just 
streamers floating in, in, in the breeze and the uh, can-can ladies jumping around. And it was just something, I mean, I, I think Ken Russell was a lot more, or uh, was a lot deeper than what you saw in your typical music videos. But I think with the advent of MTV when they tried to be cinematic, I really feel that Ken Russell was a major influence in that. Um, and then, of course, he did The Devils, which is was his most controversial and most censored film. Yeah. And it was all about religious corruption and political corruption. Uh, if it were shown today, it would be just as relevant and as cutting. And is, I there, is there a, um, or do you know of, uh, uh, uncensored or a little bit less censored, uh, like DVD copy of that film? Or? There's a bootleg going around. It's a bootleg. It's not an official <laughs> release. There's actually a bootleg. Sometimes if you go on eBay, you might see it. Um, yeah. um, it was done in England. Uh, some people, uh, some uh, lost footage, somebody found some lost footage back in 2001, 2002. So it was more like a reconstruction. Yeah. But it's still, uh, vis visual-wise, it's probably better than the VHS that had been uh, marketed by Warner Brothers for years, but it is, it is only available on bootleg, and there is this massive petition to get Warner Brothers to put out an official DVD release with, we hope, an audio commentary from the master himself, talking all about putting together that work of madness. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of people have been waiting for an uncut version, but at least there is somewhat of a, an official version. Yeah. Barry Sandler, who did the screenplay for Crimes of Passion. 
and I interviewed uh, uh, Leonard Pollack, who was one of uh, Ken Russell's uh, um, designers and, and still photographers, and he had lots of information. So I, I think I was able to get a pretty intimate look at the man just by the, the information in front of me and the fact that I had been obsessed with his work for decades, so he was already there sitting next to me talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's gotten some great reviews. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I put a lot of. I, 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 I just, uh, it took a lot longer to write than I thought, but I figured this man has done a thirty-something feature. I mean, he's done this. If you look at his filmography, it's amazing. And um, even now, right now, he's doing little digital films uh, uh, um, that he's doing on his near his home. Uh, yeah, I think he converted a garage into a studio, and those had those moments of brilliance and visual puns. And uh, you know, Ken Russell's not afraid to tell a story of a literary figure, but suddenly insert his own obsession in the middle of it, and somehow it all has this wild logic. And he's brave. He's not afraid to go against fashion. He has no concept of fashion. He just is Ken Russell. And that's what I admire most about him, because I think a lot of these so-called weird directors of today seem very packaged and controlled in their image. <laughs> Ken never was. Yeah. He was always a wild man, and... That's what I admire most, and he's been an inspiration for that reason. Yeah, that's that's um, kind of my, I guess, pet peeve, I guess you'd say, of uh, some of the, the modern-day directors, your Quentin Tarantinos, your, some of, uh, your Tim Burtons, or some of these guys, and yeah. it's like they've got a gimmick, and they've got to live up to their gimmick. And it's like, you know, Ken Russell, so many of the, the great directors of the past, they... It wasn't a gimmick. <laughs> that was it. And he took so many chances. I don't know. Have you seen Valentino? With oh, yeah. yeah. Now, there's a scene. Now, I mean, most of it is kind of a campy story about Rudolph Valentino. It, it reminded me of the Batman series from the 60s where yeah. everything was just... The acting was just so far flung. <laughs> Nothing realistic. It was all parody. But in the middle of this campy... Art Nouveau world, you had this prison scene where Rudolph Nureyev has to spend the night in prison because, I guess, on a bigamy charge, and they couldn't get enough bail money. But it, it looks like a symbolic rape. I mean, he's not actually raped, but he's really harassed and attacked, and, one, and the prison guard shoves a billy club into his uh, pelvis, and it, it is a horrifying scene that people watching it, especially Rudolph Valentino, devotees would be shocked and horrified by it, but Ken Russell insisted it stay there because I know that the studio had fought against it, I guess United Artists, but he insisted, no, this has to stay there because it shows the, the true nightmare behind the surface of Hollywood idolatry. And I, I admire for that because it, he didn't need, it, it, putting the scene there probably alienated more people then it won over people. Fortunately, it won me over, but uh, he never, he took so many chances because he just wanted to express himself the way he did. And the only time he had to make compromises was when it was um, beyond his choice, such as in Altered States, when he had to work with a screenplay that I guess Petty Chayefsky just did not want altered in any way. Yeah. But uh, when Ken was allowed to be Ken, uh, it was just extraordinary sometimes. It was just so inspiring. And he, like Nicholas Rogue, he could do what, what would be wrong for other directors to do, he did properly. Yeah. And that's why 
I admire them both. They, they, they let their obsessions get in the way instead of disciplining them out of the picture. They magnify them. And uh, not many people can get away with it and seem real. And that's the problem. I think most, as you said, most of these people, these new weirdos, um, are too controlled and too um, uh, uh, marketing managed. <laughs> Package managed. The big thing about Ken Russell and and the good thing about this book coming out the way that it has, um, have you gotten much feedback from people that are mentioned in the book, people that are talked about the book? Uh, Ken Russell liked it. Oh really? I did hear from Ken Russell. He said, you know, he said he he you know he appreciated the the verve with what I wrote about him. I guess yeah. I, I really wanted to Ken Russellize Ken Russell. I wanted to try to do in words what he does with with images, and so that's why I used that title, and that's why I began it with that rather um, psychosexual imagery because that's what he's about. It, he's all about just going to the root of things and not worrying about decorum or taste or whatever arbitrary standards people set. Um, uh, but uh, I haven't heard from any of the other actors or anything. Um, I haven't heard from Glenda Jackson or whatnot. I hope they've seen copies. Yeah. Um, but Ken Russell, had, uh, you know, he pretty much uh, it was favorable toward it, and I was worried, because when you write about somebody who's alive, yeah, you never know how he or she's going to react. But if I got a Ken's up, a thumbs up from Ken Russell, that was enough for me. That was an accomplishment. That was worried about. You look at all the uh, just uh, his history, and he's 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 been involved in one form of, I guess, the choral media. You know, he he, he did the photography. He's, he uh, he he's done some things in theater. He did movies. He did TV work. Um, just following. All of the work that he's that he's done. What is the, I guess, the field that um, he shined the brightest in? Well, I do think it was his feature films. I yeah. think uh, the music lovers, the Devils, and uh, Valentino are three of my favorites of his. I mean, there are you know there are Tommy, of course, which is, uh, Tommy is the big oh, yeah. cult legend. Yeah, it's out uh, there. But and then, of course, in the '80s, he had a bit of a, he had a renaissance with Gothic and Salome's Last Dance, which I used for the cover of my book. Those are also two of my favorites. But on even on those alone, his feature films, I think, were his crowning achievement. He also staged some operas yeah. in the '80s. He staged The Race of Progress and Madame Butterfly. But I, I would say his feature films in, in the '70s and in part of the '80s were. Yeah, his, 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 those are his crowning achievements. And, and a couple of his, one of his best BBC documentaries was his Adora Duncan, yeah. the biggest dancer in the world, which I thought was just magnificent. He had the Citizen Kane type of storyline where you kept having these flashbacks from the point of views of the different people that she met. And um, so uh, I would say when he did his feature films, he was able, he had the finances, he had the talent, he had some great actors that he dealt with. Uh, yeah, he had Oliver Reed being a maniac. He had Vanessa Redgrave probably pay, playing her greatest role as Sister Jean in The Devils. Mm-hmm. And he had great character actors from Britain like Max Adrian and Georgina Hale. So those were my, I mean, those were his crowning achievements to me. I mean, and, you know, you know, you only need to do about three or four great films to be a 
great auteur anyway. I mean, you know, James Dean's always remembered as this great actor, but he really only starred in three feature films. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I'd say you know those those feature films. But I I enjoy the stuff he's done recently on digital. Uh, he did a, something called The Fall of the Laws of Usher. I mean, uh, it's crazy and it's out of control at times, but I'm very happy to see that rather than something very compromised and stayed. Uh, the fact that he's just letting his obsessions roll away with him is was very inspiring for me in writing the book because he still has that spirit. So that's what uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. kept me going. Well, the um, the picture on the front of the book, Phallic Frenzy, just yes. <laughs> why, why, why was why was that one picture chosen as he's got so many other uh, clips and movies and, and other things of that nature why, why was that picture chosen for the front cover I thought it was very beautiful I, I mean it's very vulgar on the one hand but it's also very beautiful it's um and it sort of pretty much tells it's a phallic symbol it's a banana oh yeah <laughs> Um, and it's from one of my favorite movies. I mean, uh, color-wise, I thought Salome's Last Dance had some of the best scenery, and the, color, the reds were so beautiful. I remember when I saw the press screening when it came out. Uh, I just thought that that image and that title were just perfect. They just drew you in. I mean, it looked mysterious. You know, you have Salome there looking very exotic and strange. And, uh, you have her chewing on a banana, and Ken Russell has had someone chewing on a banana in several of his films, yeah. for obvious reasons. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Freud, the, you don't have to look for any latent Freudian content in Ken Russell's films. It's pretty much blatant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a phallic symbol. And it's not just for, it's not all for lurid titillation or yeah. uh, pornographic purposes. It's meant to tell a deeper story. You know, the, 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 the body is just the conduit to the soul and the mind. But Ken Russell really liked to direct with his entrails as well as his mind when he puts together things. He's not. This is not just an intellectual pursuit. It is a very passionate, almost very biological way of approaching a subject. You know, there's this paroxysm that he will go through as he's trying to tell the story. So I thought that that image fit. I I thought it fit. But the most consistent body part that Ken Russell probably refers to is the phallus not out of the, any macho thing at all. It really is about the, the pain of sexuality, the frustration of it, the, how it, it can interfere with human intimacy at times, and how it can represent egomania. Yeah. So there, there, there are just a lot of different meanings in it. Uh, you know, he, he would use titillating imagery to tell uh, deeper stories. So I tried doing that, too. So I, I, I really tried to being as much like Ken Russell as I could in presenting him, because I thought that was the only way to do him justice, rather than write some very um, dispassionate a academic tome without any swear words. It just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have done him justice. <laughs> well, he's had so many films and so much work that he's done that uh, people know, and whether, whether it be from, uh, you know, people look at it from mainstream success, or they look at it as, uh, you know, well, like, like you wrote the book from, you know, big fan, and you appreciate everything. What is the one project, I guess you'd say, that not a lot of people appreciate, and not in a sense of, uh, you know, a 
something that is out there that's underrated, but something that only the real Ken Russell fans go, you know, that, that project was never appreciated. Oh, boy, I could say uh, probably the two most unappreciated films that he did that a Ken Russell fan would like are Listomania and Valentino. Yeah. List, but they came out side by side. They were both box office flops for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, uh, well, Listomania was just so jam-packed yeah. with musical history. Um that it's just fascinating to watch. I mean, there were moments that are out of control, but it's just so, such a unique film. Whereas Valentino, I think, as far as craftsmanship and as far as directoral control, I think it's probably his tightest film since The Devil. I thought the story flowed beautifully. I thought the editing was very good. The dialogue was very staccato. It reminded me of a Ben Hecht movie from the 30s or 40s where you have these people aspiring to the stage and screen and they're all crazy in their worship of art. I thought it captured that, that sense a lot. Uh, neither film got much critical praise, and both of them have been pretty much forgotten, and neither one was a commercial success. But I would imagine a true Ken Russell fan would appreciate both of them. I would say especially Valentino. For some reason, I have an affection for the film because it... It, it, it to me it reflected uh, Ken Russell's passions a lot more. It, uh, his, his sense of frustration with the role of art and the way people worship art and, and the way Hollywood destroys souls and the way uh, matinee idol worship is so shallow and soul destroying. I, 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 I just it just came out so viscerally for me watching that film. It's just—it's a beautiful film to watch too, photographically, and the set designs are very good. And Rudolph Valentino, his bad acting worked because I really thought that <laughs> Russell was trying to set up an alienation effect. This is—this is—is not really Valentino, quote unquote Valentino. This is a representation of the kind of cipher that Hollywood creates—the matinee idol who's really just a vulnerable person, like a human pinata being being hit in all these different directions. So, yeah, I'd say Listomania and Valentino are the two underappreciated films that, you know, just need to be resurrected somehow. It, it, it's great stuff. So the yeah. book is Phallic Frenzy, Ken Russell and his film, Circle Flames, has been our guest. Uh, great stuff, Joe. Um, well, thank you very much. Updated, and I'd love to have you back on uh, to, to have a longer conversation because this has been fun. I've enjoyed it. Okay, well, thank you. I'm glad you had me, and uh, um, I'm glad you liked the book. <laughs> Definitely. We'll keep in touch, Joe. All right. Thanks uh, a lot. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Download all the past bits and best interviews with new things added each week at JiggyJaguar.com. Test, test, test. There we go. I can hear myself. It's www.dbjwayne.com on the internet. Doing the damn thing on a Sunday afternoon. Dbjwayne show. 
We're going to be speaking here in just a few to John Berardi. John Berardi, of course, his website is johnberardi.com as well as Precise Precision. It's precisionnutrition.com. He's on the Internet at precisionnutrition.com or johnberardi.com. He's written some columns for bodybuilding.com. He's trained a lot of strength athletes. He's a nutrition expert, and he's here, and he's back. First performance as I pick a booger out of my nose. First performance, first appearance, as I should say, was on the Jiggy Jig While You Show sometime just recently. Last year, something. So check out John Barone right now here on the Jiggy Jaguar Show. We are back here on the Jiggy Jaguar Show speaking with John Barone from Bodybuilding.com as well as some other websites that uh, he's affiliated with. Um, let's see. Basically, the uh, the first question is, uh, and this is going to be kind of a big one. Um, when people are getting ready, so I know that. Uh, the summer swimsuit season and everything is in full swing. Um, how do people adjust their diet so they can get ready for uh, summer season? Well, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes to sort of losing fat and shaping up for the summer or for whatever reason, whether it's a special event or a bodybuilding contest or just looking good on the beach, you know, I always look at it as sort of there's three, three sort of uh, three legs or pegs to a, a stool. And uh, basically, the, the first one's going to be, obviously, your exercise and training. And uh, I want to kind of briefly touch on that because a lot of people come to me looking to get in better shape, and uh, they'll think diet is the most important thing for that. But without an adequate exercise program, um, I think that they can get some results with diet, but not fantastic results. Now, I did a couple of studies um, over the last couple of years looking at what type of exercise plan gets the best results. And typically, the, the most common denominator among successful exercise programs is weekly volume. In fact, we found that people who exercise five hours a week or more get better results than those who work out five hours a week or less. So we sort of set as a basic criterion for those who have fairly sedentary jobs about five hours a week of training and sort of any less than that and results are very suboptimal. More than that and results start to come a lot quicker. So we always start with that. Now in terms of what to do, we usually look at doing a combination of strength training, interval training, and regular cardio work. And the three of them work on different metabolic systems. So when you can get that combination down of about five hours, all three types of exercise, then we look at nutrition specifically. And uh, I have a couple of very specific habits that I think when people follow them regularly, they can get fantastic results. The first one is, you know, whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight, you should be eating between every two and four hours. This helps to keep the metabolic rate quick, uh, pretty quick, and um, and it sort of, you know, forces the body to feed the muscle and sort of burn fat simultaneously. The second thing that we look to is eating lean, complete protein with every meal. So if you're eating three meals and two or three snacks each day, you know, which you should be if you're eating every two to four hours, you want to try and get a complete protein source with each. The next thing you do is try and get uh, fruits and vegetables. Try and get about two servings with each feeding. And then uh, we look to, you know, eating healthy fats every day. So things like flax seeds, flax oil, uh, avocado, um, olive oil, 
mixed nuts, things like that, healthy fats. And then the last thing, and this is probably the most important one, this is the one that I've found to produce the, the greatest amount of results in the least amount of time, is to practice good carbohydrate timing. And what I mean by that is that uh, after exercise, your body handles carbohydrates much better than it does during the rest of the day. So if you're really trying to lean up, your goal should be to have your higher carbohydrate meals, your starchy carbohydrates, things like potatoes, uh, holy pasta, whole grain breads, all that kind of stuff after exercise, within the one to two hours after exercise. And then for the rest of the day, just focus on the other things I talked about, which are lean, complete proteins, good fats, and primarily vegetables with potentially some fruits. And again, that, that carbohydrate timing strategy is probably the most effective that I've found when people are trying to lean out. Well, I'll tell you, the, uh, the big thing people miss is uh, either exercise or nutrition or both. Why is it people can't seem to get both down? Yeah, well, I, I think for a lot of people, you know, um, you just we need to have confidence that a plan is going to work. You know, if you don't have much confidence in, in the plan you're about to undertake, you're always questioning yourself, you're always wondering what's right. Um, the other thing is there's so much information on the Internet and the media that people can second-guess themselves all the time. And I think if people had the confidence that, hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to lose weight, they'd stick to it a lot more readily. And I think that's a, a huge factor for a lot of people. I'm seeing, I'm seeing most people who are sort of listening into this are people who are genuinely committed and interested in, in achieving whatever their goal may be, losing fat, gaining muscle, whatever. Uh, they're not just going to be sort of typical lazy individual, you know, who, who just simply wants the quick fix type of thing. So again, you know, assuming this is the type of person that's listening, I think the biggest challenge is this confidence. You have to be confident. The program you're going to start is going to get you to where you, you need to go. And uh, when you have that kind of confidence, it's much easier to adhere to your plan. Well, the big thing that um, people also do a lot, I've noticed, and uh, I notice this all the time with guys in the gym, they take supplements rather than uh, have a healthy diet. They believe that they, if they take enough supplements, their diet doesn't have to be healthy at all. Right, right, exactly. You know, you know, yeah, well, you see that at the gym quite often. And, you know, the, the reality is that there are sometimes when you don't have access to, to healthy whole food selections, where supplements can come in handy. For example, if you're on the go all day, um, it's hard to get a meal. In that type of situation, that's where a protein shake might come in. Now, when I, when I recommend to my clients to, to take a protein shake, it's usually not just protein and milk or water. I usually try and round out the meal like I would have, as discussed earlier. I, so, so according to rules, eating every two to four hours, getting complete protein, uh, vegetables and fruits, and uh, good fats. So what I do is have people what I make what I call a, a super shake. So in the super shake, we usually use something like either water or, or uh, skim milk as a base. We add our protein to that, and then we add uh, either something like a, a green supplement, like Greens Plus or something like that, uh, potentially some fruits as well, and then some good fats. So that might be you know, putting in mixed nuts. It might be putting in flaxseed oil, those types of things. So that really what you're getting is an approximation of a whole food meal. Now, is it as good as a whole, a whole food meal? Probably not, but for those people on the go, those people who have a difficult time getting 
whole food meal and simply aren't prepared when it's time to eat a, a whole food meal, you know, something like the super shake can be can be very beneficial. However, again, you know, I, I think what you said is accurate. Uh, there's really no substitute for whole food. Um, in the short run, when it comes to just body composition, sure, you can use some supplements if you, if you make sure to really uh, keep control of your calorie intake. But in the long run, you know, the overall health outcomes, body comp outcomes, and performance outcomes are always better when people stick to whole food. And this is sort of a timely question because I just got back from a trip uh, out working with the Canadian National Bobsled and Skeleton teams. And uh, I work with a ton of Olympic athletes, and the one thing that's pretty characteristic of some of these athletes, and when we talk about bobsled and skeleton, we're talking about big, strong athletes. Uh, many of them take very minimal supplements. And uh, the whole approach that we use for them is, is a very whole food-based eating plan. Now, again, you know, we use adequate amounts of protein and all the other things, and for very special situations, we include supplements. But the base of their diet is whole food. They get fantastic results from their training. And, you know, in some cases, they, they like to avoid all the extra supplements because, you know, their potential is there for testing positive for, for doping. Uh, accidentally as a function of potentially a tainted supplement. So again, you know, the point is a lot of these athletes can, can really get fantastic results without taking a ton of supplements. Although again, supplements can come in handy in certain circumstances. Well, the uh, recent, um, big, I guess, I guess it would be the big, the big thing in lack of a better term, and uh, bodybuilding and sports nutrition seems to be andro and some of these second generation pro uh, hormones. Right. Um, right. Can you give us some thoughts on you know where these are going and what they're doing? And sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now a few years ago, um, I was involved in a, in a research uh, review of sort of pro hormones in general. Um, this is about, I think, two, two to three years ago, and we published a paper in the uh, Canadian Journal of Applied Physiology. And, uh, and in, in the paper, I mean, we reviewed all the literature that was published scientifically uh, looking at pro-hormones, and there's a, fair, a fairly good body of literature on that. Anyway, we consistently found that with certain pro-hormones, uh, there, there were acute or short-term increases in testosterone levels. Now, usually those increases were still within the physiological range, so they weren't sort of taking blood levels above, you know, physiological normal, but they give people a small boost for short periods of time. Now, the only problem is that we're all metabolically and biochemically different. So when we process these pro-hormones or androgen-like substances, what we're functioning uh, doing is we're sending them through pathways which are different between, you know, different individuals. So while some people would get a fairly large increase in testosterone, there'd be others that would be get, getting uh, large increases in estrogens or, or some other metabolic compounds that, that sort of come downstream. So it's very unpredictable as to, you know, with some of these pro-hormones, what type of effects you're going to be getting on the body. You know, some people end up getting a, a nice testosterone effect. Others get testosterone plus an estrogenic effect. So it's always sort of like rolling the dice because you don't really know that much about your biochemical individuality without having really expensive and comprehensive tests done on enzyme systems and stuff like that, which most, most people aren't doing. So, you know, now, you know, the next thing beyond that, you know, that's just the biochemical level, is sort of the legal question as well, because a lot of these uh, compounds are now banned. 
Um, it, with respect to sport, as I just mentioned, you know, the risk for a positive test is kind of scary. When we look, there's been about uh, six or seven studies done uh, in which scientists would go pick out random nutritional supplements off of shelves and test them. And in, the, in those six or seven studies I mentioned, there's about a 10 to 30% risk in taking a supplement which isn't supposed to contain any pro-hormones or banned substances or anything like that and getting a banned substance in it. So this is a big deal for athletes who are regularly tested because obviously, you know, if we're buying a supplement like a protein powder and getting some pro-hormones with it is kind of an issue. Now, the interesting thing is since uh, those studies were done, many of these pro-hormone-like compounds have been removed from the marketplace. So you're not going to find them often in, you know, supplement shops, GNCs, vitamin shops, whatever. So now you're going to just basically find them online. So, you know, there's sort of a gray market kind of nature to them, and it's sort of a buyer beware situation. You know, there's some of them that actually do raise testosterone. However, for athletes who are being tested in competition, they're going to cause a band, they're going to cause a positive test. So they should be avoiding them, absolutely. As far as sort of the recreational exerciser, the gym goer, the bodybuilder, etc., you know, again, it's sort of like a crapshoot because a lot of the new compounds, there's not a lot of data on them. There's not a lot of studies showing that they're safe uh, as well as effective. So, you know, in, in some cases, I've known experts to even make the comment that, you know, if someone's going to take a, a substance that's illegal or gray market uh, and, and they're sort of questionable, you know, these experts might say it, it might even be safer to take the real thing because at least we know what it's doing. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a different perspective than uh, I've heard in the past on that. So. Yeah, and you know, for me, working with a lot of athletes, I, you know, it's it's my sort of it's my sort of personal objective to steer clear of, of ever recommending uh, these types of compounds because obviously, you know, there's a lot of risk uh, compared to the potential reward. Yet, um, you know, again, I've talked to a lot of experts in the field, and you know, they they you know, the one thing is. You know, if you look at taking something that will boost testosterone or increase testosterone into your system, there are decades of research uh, on, you know, testosterone and anabolic steroids. And in comparison, there's little to none on pro-hormones. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you might be taking a pro-hormone for the hope of building muscle mass, and it doesn't build any muscle mass, but causes problems in the body. So, you know, comparatively speaking, we know how come a lot more about testosterone and, and anabolic steroids than we do about pro-hormones. And, you know, in the end, I don't know which one's safer. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure which one, uh, but we do know which one's more effective. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a people want to get quick sex. Um, well, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of times we have lofty goals. But life gets in the way. You know, we want to build 20 or 30 or, for some people, 50 pounds of muscle mass, or we want to lose a whole bunch of body fat. But if we don't have that goal already, there's usually something that's been standing in our way. And I always teach, I teach a number of courses to uh, strength coaches and personal trainers. And in my courses, I say that the best coaches do one thing very well, and it's find limiting factors and eliminate them. 
So for some people, and I mean limiting factors can be all over the board. You know, you might have someone who's trying to gain muscle mass, pretty skinny, can't figure out why they can't gain mass. So a good coach will go in and they'll find and they'll find the limiting factor to that. So what might a limiting factor be? Well, often sort of the beginner coach will say, well, it's, it's the limiting factor is that this person doesn't eat enough food. Well, that very well might be, but there may be a limiting factor before that. It might be something that's causing them to not eat enough food. And two examples would be, number one, the person may just be full. They might try and eat a lot of food, but when they sit down to a meal, they eat as much as they can, they get uncomfortably full, and then they stop eating. And so they can only eat, you know, three, four meals a day, and not very much food, so they can't grow. So that might be the limiting factor. Their stomach isn't accommodating that food. And then there's things we can do to sort of force the issue. The next thing, another potential limiting factor, is a Sponsors. Motherfuckers, crank it! You've got Jiggy Jaguar Podcast. www.jiggyjaguar.com Hey kids, feeling like you've got an energy crisis? Then you didn't start the day the okay way! With tons of freaking sugar. If you're feeling a little slow, you need a breakfast that helps you go. Fill your bowl with high it's tons of freaking sugar. Tons of freaking sugar. The breakfast cereal loaded with 100 grams of natural pure cane energy in every spoonful. Little Billy got the school day blues? No problem. He'll be bouncing off the walls after one bowlful. Little Sally missed the bus again? Don't worry. She'll outrun it. Thanks to tons of freaking sugar. If you're running a little late and eat a breakfast, that's always great. Saccharin will never do, you need tons of freaking sugar. Tons of freaking sugar. Another fine food from the folks at Syrup World. I know you're in there! I want the rent and I want it now! You haven't paid it in months! Come on! Pay up, damn it! Open up! I want my money! Folks, dear listeners, we need your help. I mean, who knew that running an internet radio station was going to be so expensive? <laughs> we got the server bill last month. It was horrible. Please, please help us. 
I mean, where else can you find such quality programming like Farhan being asteroid by a goat, V-Forge being beaten senseless by his wife, Plankton pulling wings off of flies and putting him on the head of his dick in the bath, my illegal turkey sandwiches, KDK and Patch making peace for crying out loud. This is history. You can't let it go. We want to stay on the air, but we can't do it without your help. So please, please, go to www.wildbunchradio.com and scroll down the page and click on the PayPal link and please donate. Donate. We want to stay on the air. We have the most, we have almost the most programming of any internet radio station out there. You've got to help us, please. Our broadcasters are breaking their balls trying to bring you the best that they can give you. So please, give, give, before we're forced to go off the air. Please. Please, I'm so hungry. My money's on Jiggy Jaguar. So email Jiggy Jaguar at JiggyJaguar.com. It is the Jiggy Jaguar show. Coast to coast and border to border all over the world. Bye, bye, bye. Fruits and vegetables, 
then maybe a multivitamin or a green drink could come in handy. So these types of things fill in nutritional gaps. And, you know, a lot of nutrition people, nutritionists, dietitians, etc., they pay a lot of lip service to the fact that we don't need these types of things. But the reality is, if you look at the North American population, we often are, are missing these things. In fact, recent surveys show that about 95 to 98% of North Americans don't get up to five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Yeah. So if 95 to 98% of the people aren't getting these nutrients, then we know there's a problem, and we should probably have something else to recommend. We can only tell people to eat more fruits and vegetables so much, and if still 98% of them aren't doing it, then we need to either just drop the fruits and vegetables off at their house or give them another alternative. So, you know, with essential nutrients, we have to look at the reality of it. Yes, we have to teach people to eat better. Yes, we have to teach them to eat more of the right things. But if there are situations where they can't get those things, then supplements come in handy. And, you know, one great example is my athletes, my, uh, uh, whether it's my pro athletes or my Olympic athletes, when they're on the road traveling. For example, some of my Olympic athletes are gone for four months at a time. They're staying in, like, random hotels, and these aren't five-star hotels. And uh, they're, you know, traveling by planes, trains, and automobiles to get to these hotels. And oftentimes they simply don't have the opportunity to stop for five good food meals a day. So in that case, we have them bring some nutritional supplements along. In my gourmet nutrition book, I teach them how to make, you know, healthy protein bars, all this kind of stuff. So the idea is that when they're on the road, they can't get access to whole food, they can take a supplement, which will fill the gap. Now, when it comes to targeted molecules, you know, we're looking at, these might be things like creatine, beta-alanine, etc. So these types of things may not absolutely necessary for every athlete. These are things that if we look at the physiological system you use in your sport or your training activity, and that system may be limited for you personally, these things can come in and make a difference. However, I know a ton of athletes who don't take targeted molecules who have fantastic results. Does that mean that no one would benefit from them? Absolutely not. There are specific athletes that actually do get a 5 or 8% benefit from them, and that makes a big difference for them. But again, before deciding to use one of these supplements, I usually have one of my, my athletes or recommend to athletes that they talk to an expert and figure out whether they need it or not. So again, when it comes to essential nutrients, if you're missing that, those nutrients from your diet because of limited food stores, supplements are absolutely essential. If you are looking for a targeted molecule to improve some aspect of your performance, you should probably figure out whether that physiological system needs the boost and then it can actually help you. But again, this is where it gets a little sort of sciencey, a little more complicated. And that's where you might want to actually work with a, a sports nutritionist who knows about these things to figure it out. Well, I'll tell you, John, it's been an uh, interesting interview as always. Thank and I learned a heck of a lot as always. You are a very, very, very educated individual. I, I always enjoy having you on because we learn so much here. Well, thanks. I, I'm making my business to know as much as I can about the field, and uh, it, 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 I, I kind of have to be because there's a bunch of young guys coming up who are trying to take my place in my office. <laughs> there you go, John. Well, uh, John Barotti, the website johnbarotti.com. I think it's uh, precisionutrition.com as well. Precision Nutrition. Precision Nutrition. Okay, check them out on the Internet. And, uh, John, we'll uh, catch you next time, sir.
Thanks very much. Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. It is back. It is the Jiggy Jaguar Show. It is www.jiggyjaguar.com. The internet, the website, is email address, excuse me, jiggyjaguar, jiggyjaguar.com. Doing the damn thing on a Sunday. Talking to all the damn people that we can talk to. That, of course, is John Berardi. John Berardi's website, precisionnutrition.com. Also, johnberardi.com. He knows his stuff. He's been on the program a couple different times now. John's a great, great interview. We'll be back with more here on the Jiggy Jig Will You Show. Quick as a cat, quick as a ham and cheese sandwich. We'll be back with something. www.jiggyjigwill.com later. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.